Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're going to talk about something tonight. You know, uh, uh, quite some time ago, I was just sitting in church, and uh, it was it was when we were talking about a revival, you know, really hot and heavy. And uh, the Lord was was telling me about the, about things that will circumvent and um, abort revival in a church and in a person's life as well. And one of those things, I'm just going to talk about one of them. I'm just just going to make this one subject tonight, and that is distraction. Just distraction. You know, what, is, what does it mean to, to, to distract? It means to divert, to take away. And the word distraction can mean that which amuses, entertains, diverts. And what is its purpose? The purpose of distraction is to take your eyes, your attention, your focus, your energy, and your resources from that which is most profitable for you and for the plan of God for your life. Can I say that again? The purpose of distraction is to take your eyes, your attention, your focus, your energy, and your resources from that which is most profitable for you and for the plan of God for your life. You know, the interesting thing about distraction is that it's not, sometimes it doesn't come in a form that's real obvious. Sometimes it's extremely subtle. You know, it's just some little something that you just kind of go, oh, okay, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then your attention gets drawn over to whatever this thing is. You know, and and it, um, it can seem sometimes as though it's so small and so insignificant that you don't really pay attention to what the ramifications of it might be down the road. You know, just, it's like anything else. You know, when you get off course, it doesn't look like you're off course for a long time until one day you look around and go, how did I get here? You know, just one, you know, a ship out on an ocean, just one degree can cause you to miss a continent. You know, if you go far enough with it, you know, that's a big, that one little thing just didn't look like it was just a big deal, but left unchecked, left in a place where it's not reined back in, it can get you so off course that you don't even know where you are when you want, when you get there going, how did, how, how did this happen? You know, the enemy is subtle. You know, if there's anything, there's a few things you can say about the devil. He's persistent. Um, and, and he's devious, you know, he comes in sometimes like a lion, but sometimes he just kind of, just kind of just eases in, you know, just very quietly unnoticed. And unless we're real diligent, those things can come into our lives and they can cause us great pain in the end, or at least getting us off what the plan of God was for our lives. You know, there's examples all through the Bible about people who got distracted. Lot. Lot was distracted. There's a couple of ways you can see where Lot just kind of got his focus off where he needed it to be. You know, in, in Genesis 13, you know, when the herds of Abram and Lot had gotten so big that they needed to separate, you know, Lot's... 
and, and Abram came to a place where they agreed to, to take their flocks and, and to go their separate ways. And, and so Lot looked to the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was distracted by all that, that looked easy. And so that's where he went. And then, if you go over to Genesis 19, in the very first verse, in fact, is to take a look at it with me. Genesis 19. Hallelujah. Verse 1, it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, that little phrase in and of itself doesn't seem to be any big deal. But for a man to be sitting in the gate of Sodom actually is a place of prestige, a place of notoriety, a place of, you know, uh, I'm somebody. And so he got to, to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he found because he was, he was um, allowed to be in this place that he ignored everything else that was around him. That was not good. See, distraction can get you to a place where you just kind of don't even see what you really should be seeing because you're so taken with this thing. Lot was so taken with his place. He was, I'm in a place, I'm somebody here, you know, that he, he didn't get his family out, that he sat in a place where it looked as though he condoned everything that was going on around him it looked like, you know, though he wasn't participating in it, he wasn't taking a righteous stand either. Because he was being distracted by all this inner, you know, stuff that was going on. You know, I'm, I'm, this, I'm somebody here. You know, I can, I can, well, look at me. You know, people, Brother Hagen talked one time about, about people in ministry. And he said, there's three things you have to be careful of in ministry. You have to be careful of the gold, the glory, and the girls. And he, he said, those, those are the three areas that the enemy will use, you know, to get a minister off, off course. You know, and, uh, and he's right. You know, almost everything can be broken down into one of those categories of God, I mean, the gold, the glory, and, you know, another person. You know, these days, I'm not sure you can say girls, but... You know, just because of the way we, things are these days. But, you know, those ha- you have to find yourself in a place where, you know, you keep things in check. You keep yourself from getting distracted by things. You know, you have to check your heart, check your motives, check your purpose. You know, and not let your, yourself be distracted by something else that will pull you out totally of the plan of God for your life. In the end, it costs a lot. It cost him his wife. It cost him everything that he owned. I mean, it was, it was a terrible, terrible time. But then there was other people. Samson, ah, oh, what a man of God he was. You know, his parents had been told to raise him as an, you know, in a certain way, and they did their job. And, and he was a man who went out and did great exploits. And as, he went, as time went by, he allowed himself to get distracted by a woman. There's that girl thing again got distracted by a woman, and it wound up costing him his life. Did he fulfill the plan of God for his life? I doubt it. I doubt that was all God had for him. I suspect he had a great deal more for him than what he ever experienced. And see, that's the whole thing. It's the enemy wants to distract you so that you do not fulfill the plan of God, so that you do not enjoy the fullness of the blessing God intends for you to walk in. And Samson didn't walk in. In the end, he was victorious. 
In the end, he slew more in his death than he ever did in his life. But was that the end God had planned for him? No, I don't think so. Then there was David, again, distracted by a woman. It cost him, it cost the kingdom, it cost Israel, it cost, every, it cost a lot. Now, he was able to redeem that. But you know what? Just out, I mean, just think of it. He's just out, his, his men are at, at, you know, at, at war, he's, he's back in the, in, the, in the capital, let's say, and he's just out for a stroll on a rooftop. And one glimpse of this lady just totally distracted him. One glimpse. See, if you're in the right place at the right time, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, my heavens. What can of worms can you open up in all that? Solomon, same way. A man whose wisdom was not matched by anybody before or since. And yet, when his life, as his life went on, he got distracted by all these fleshly things. All that he brought wives in that were not godly, that were from pagan religions, totally got him off the mark. You know, there was a heritage that should have been passed down and that should have been kept going. You know, but then Israel got to the place where it just suffered. Good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. You know, I, I, I wonder how much of Solomon's distractions enabled what happened later with the ups and downs that Israel suffered, you know, for generation after generation. You know, we don't always understand that what we get distracted by is going to cost us, but cost other people as well. But then there are some good examples of people who refuse to get distracted. Gideon, Gideon started off with 32,000 men. And he began to call them out until he got down to 300 men. And with 300 men, because he, refused, God, well, he was following God, following God's plan, staying exactly on course, exactly on target, even though it didn't look like, this is not a good, good idea, Lord, we got a war to fight. You know, I had 32,000 and now I'm down to 300. But he was determined to follow God. And so because he was determined to follow God and refused to get distracted by all the things that were going on and all the circumstances that were screaming at him, He got down to 300 men, and they won the battle. Absolutely, totally won it. You know, Paul over in Acts 21, God had given him a mandate to go. And yet somebody came and prophesied to him that there's going to be trouble. Trouble did not distract him. Most people would say, oh, okay, then I won't go. You know, I won't go. They would be distracted by the things that were in front of them. But Paul refused to be distracted by those things. Over in Isaiah 50, there's a prophecy about Jesus, and it said he set his face like flint. And I went through, I don't know how many translations today, and all of them said the same thing, set his face like flint. Now, for us in our vernacular, we know what that means. It means he hardened his, I mean, he was determined. He set his mind, this is what I'm doing. I will not be swayed from it. I will not be persuaded to do anything otherwise. I will not be distracted. It kind of reminds me, you know, of like a horse with blinders on. They put up those blinders so they cannot be distracted by anything. When Jesus set his face like flint, that's basically what he did. I will not be distracted. I won't even look any way at anything other than what? Straight ahead. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've been called to do. This is what God's plan is for me. This is what I'm doing. Nothing, nothing. Is going to distract me in this, in this time. And uh, 
yeah, in our modern day life, you know, we're just like anybody else in the other generation. Things come up and we just kind of go, oh, yeah. Go with me over to uh, Luke 14. Hallelujah. If you read the account of, um, in starting in verse 16, of, the, of a man who had a great supper and, and had all these people that he invited, if you go down and you read through here, all these people made excuses. Instead of coming to a place where they were going to be blessed, one made an excuse. You can start it in verse 16. It goes down through uh, 24. And it says, it talks about how one person made an excuse. Oh, I've bought a piece of ground and I have to go see it. I can't come. You know, I've got this other thing I need to take care of. Uh, has anybody bought property without seeing it? Let me sell you a bridge if you have. i got a bridge for you. Uh, then another one said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to go test them out. Uh, who buys five yoke of oxen without testing them out first? You know, you don't know what you're getting unless you test it out first. But it was just, a, it was just an excuse, just a distraction. Another one said, I've married my, married my wife and I can't come. Oh, well, you can say a lot about that. But we won't. <laughs> you know, but, but all these things, people came and they, they just got, this, instead of being focused on what they needed to be focused on, they let all these other things pull them out of a place where they were going to be blessed. You know, we just need to be careful of the things that we get involved in, the things that we participate in, the things that become important to us, that they're not uh, distracting us from the bigger picture. Because they can. You know, we can get to a place where the, in and of itself, it's, it's not a bad thing. There's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with buying oxen. There's nothing wrong with buying land. There's nothing wrong with, with getting a wife, right, Drew? Yeah, okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it becomes a distraction, if it takes you away from the plan of God, then there's a problem. If it takes you out of where God wants you to be and where you need to be. See, God's only got good things planned for us. He's got better things planned for us than what we know. But one of the things that distraction really causes a lot of times is it causes us to compromise our goals. God puts something out there, puts a dream in our heart, puts a vision in our heart. And he says, I want you to have this. And yet along the road, because of distractions, we'll compromise and we'll settle for something less. It's kind of like going on a diet. Anybody ever done the diet thing? Oh, yes, I know, Miss Edna, sweet Jesus. You know, okay, my goal is to lose 20 pounds. But after 10, man, everything's looking better. Everything's fitting better. Oh, this is great. And I settle for 10 instead of the 20 I intended. Has God ever told you that he wanted to do something for you? That he wanted you to have a certain thing? And you maybe you get part of the way there and go, oh, this is good enough. You know, this is good. Don't settle. Don't sell. People get distracted and they don't keep their focus on, the, on what God's gotten out there for them. And they get so distracted that they just wind up settling for something so far beneath what God ever intended for them to have. You know, and, and when you go back and you look at it later, you go, I don't know why I did that. 
just because got distracted, you know. Other things came in. Other things were, you know. I was okay with that. Instead of keeping my focus where it needed to be. Um, over in, the, in Mark, the fourth chapter. Let's go over there. The parable of the sower. In verse 19, it says, the cares of this world. See, you know, cares can be a distraction to you. Instead of casting your care on the Lord like you're told to, our cares can become something that that the enemy uses us to keep us off track, to get us off the plan of God. It goes on, it talks about the deceitfulness of riches. How many times have I seen people, you know, God blesses them, you know, I, um, I ran across somebody not too long ago, and I, and I just, you know, as I walked away, I thought, you know, that is so sad. You know, once upon a time, you know, they were so on fire for God. And today, you almost never see them because they got so caught up, you know, in the deceitfulness of riches. Listen, if God gave you that business... He can supply that business enough so you don't have to work 45, you know, hours out of every day. You know, there's a way. There's a way. You know, this, this person that I'm talking about, I just thought, you know, it just started little by little. Little by little until until got to the place where, like I said, you rarely ever see them. And I'm thinking, what God meant for a blessing became a distraction. It, t- it took all of their attention. And now today, you know, their, their life, their, their God life, their spiritual life is just like somewhere here. I put it somewhere. You know, it's, it's somewhere around here. But everything else has taken precedence in their life. That shouldn't be the way it is. Uh, and then it goes on, it says, the lusts of other things. One of the companion verses of this, I think, over in uh, uh, Luke, talks about the pleasures of this life. You get caught up in things that are just fun. You know, there's nothing wrong with video games, but if it starts putting a damper on the time you put in with God, there's something wrong with that. You know, I, I remember back years ago when Pac-Man came out. Does anybody remember Pac-Man? I don't know. Okay. Um, we had an Atari here at the church. Well, it wasn't here. It was at the old building. And I, I tried that one day, and I got so caught up in that crazy thing that I could spend hours on that, on that thing. Um, not a good idea. Not a good idea. And today's versions of video games, which I don't do, you know, I think have probably gotten a lot more people hooked. And so hours and hours and hours and hours get spent on this nonsense. And when it's all said and done, did it profit the kingdom of God? Did it profit your life? Did it enhance your life somehow? Might make you need glasses. You need to stare at that crazy screen for so long. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. But spending hours on it, on it a day, there's something wrong with that. There is something wrong with that. You know, you, you can go down the list and you can name all kinds of stuff that there's nothing wrong with when you just look at it on the surface. But if it gets a hold of you, there's something wrong with it. That distraction becomes a stronghold. 
See, little things given attention to can go from just a little thing into a big stronghold in our lives. Um, Relationships, school, jobs. I mean, we had... uh, Somebody tell us years ago, in fact, it was, it was Dave Rimmer, if y'all remember him, you know, and uh, when they, they left to go do a residency in Tallahassee and they came back to this area and they came back to church and, and uh, Dave came to pastor one day and he said, Pastor, I am so sorry, I need to apologize for all the, the times we, I, we didn't come to church, you know, when we could have when I was here, you know, in med school. And he, he says, oh, pastor said, oh, that's okay. I just, I gave you a pass because I knew med school was very demanding. He goes, he said, pastor, he said, there were lots of times we could have been here. Lots of times. And I'm going, well, okay. You know, he's admitting that. See, a lot of times even schoolwork gets in the way. You know, I just in, in, uh, I have kids that, well, at least my oldest one for, in particular, just, I mean, he's just driven, determined. You know, he's going to do this, and he's going to make this work, and he's going to excel in all this stuff. And, and, uh, and yet, you know, we, we made sure that he didn't make his consuming desire to excel in school take away from his time in church. You know, we would believe God that he would do well on limited time, on limited sleep, you know, he, to get everything done, believe God that God would enable him, enhance his abilities to get it done, but he never sacrificed church for it, never sacrificed his relationship with God for it. He didn't get distracted by that. Um, you know, there's, there's so much you can say about relationships, all kinds of relationships that can cause you to just, just be distracted from the things that need to be made important. And so you have to really just... Be careful of those things. You know, there's the times when we kind of have to t- take a, a little snapshot of our lives and, and just go through it and go, okay, does this enhance my relationship with God or does it not? Is this something I need to lay aside? Is this something that I can, I can do and still serve God the way I'm supposed to? It, it just takes, it pays to just take stock every so often you know, of how we're living our lives, that we're not being distracted by that. In Colossians 3, verse 2, it says, set your affection on things above. The Amplified Version that says, set your minds and keep them set on what is above. And basically that means stay focused. Stay focused. Over in, in Luke 40, I identify so much with Martha. I, I really do. You know, over there, you know, Jesus and, and all the, all the uh, disciples are there. And uh, we go with me, Luke 10. Hallelujah. See, I identify with Martha because I'm a Martha. You know, I get so focused sometimes on the things that need to be done. She, she's in a ministry setting. She's here serving the Lord and his disciples. I mean, this is a good thing, right? I mean, she's trying to be a blessing. And, and yet she is so cumbered about. She is so ensnared. She's so overwhelmed. She is so taken by all the physical work that has to be done. She's missing the point. The Lord Jesus is sitting here. He's teaching. He's talking. Listen, it's kind of like I, I, I equate it with, with the relationship that we had sometimes with Dad Hagen. You know, when you're around him, it pays to pay attention. 
Because at any point, you don't know what's going to come out. And here she was. She was scurrying around trying to fix all this food and do all these things and, and serve these, these godly men. And yet, Jesus looked at her and he says, Martha, Martha, in verse 41, you are careful and troubled about many things. If you go back to verse 40, it says she was cumbered. That means she was distracted, overly occupied, and too busy. And see, you know, in a setting of ministry, we can get distracted, overly occupied, and too busy doing the work of the ministry that we miss out totally on the ministry of the ministry. And that was Martha. And I, I, I have to tell you, you know, I, like I say, I identify with Martha a great deal. You know, because I, I see things that got to get done on Wednesdays, you know. If my desk isn't clear from Monday, all these little things that haven't been finished up, I, 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 just, I just can't even, you know, I can't, don't talk to me until I get all these things done and out of the way. It's just like it's calling my name. You know, you need to take, do this phone call. You need to take this. You need to co- talk, check on this. You need to do it. It's a tough time to, to do that. So sometimes I just have to just take my head and just go, stop it, stop it, stop it. You know, but. Martha just missed the boat. She was distracted by these things. Were they necessary? You know what? It wouldn't have killed them if they had only gotten two pies instead of four. You know, if there had only been one, you know, choice on the meats instead of three. You know, you, you, sometimes you just need to just say, listen, don't need to do all this. You know, this, this will work. And this will work well. I don't need to go to this length with this. I don't need to go to this extreme with this. You know, we, we, I love excellence. I, sincerely, I do. But sometimes excellence gets me in trouble. Because, because I spend so much time making sure that it's excellent that I miss what I should have been doing. You know, for years, I, I sang on the praise and worship team. I, most of you guys don't even know. I did that for 15 years. And one day, it occurred to me, I got no business doing this. I need to, I need to be out there with the, with the people, not up here on the platform. Now, it was suffer- doing what I was doing on the platform was suffering because Pastor Ike was you know he was expecting you to be in the back room to pray before before the service and those kinds. Of, and I'd get caught up out here talking to somebody, you know, and and just doing my job you know, as, as pastor, and I wouldn't be back here doing this. So that was suffering, and this was suffering. And pastor had been telling me for, for two years, you need to stop that. And I'm going, yeah, but I like doing that. But I wasn't doing it well anymore. I wasn't doing either one of them well anymore. It was just one thing was distracting another. It was just, I finally just had to say, okay, no, just, just stop. Just stop. I got to stop this. And after I stopped, I went, well, I should have done that a long time ago. And somebody was ready, ready to say, I told you so. <laughs> he was right. You know, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees ourselves, and somebody else can. You know, if somebody ever comes to you and say, uh, you know, you kind of lost your focus lately. You know, you think you might ought to, you know, check up. Don't get mad at them. Thank them. Thank them for helping you. Get, you, get yourself back where you need to be. You know, um, in... Um, Let's see. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, go over there real quick. 
Paul's talking here. And it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but only one receives the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Listen, each one of us are running a one-man race. Do you know that? Each one of us are running a one-man race. It's not a group thing. It's a one-man race. And we're going to have to run so that we can obtain the prize. See, there's a prize at the end of this thing. And how we run it really matters. It really does. You know, if, if a runner is out running a, in a race and something distracts them, even for a split second, it can cost them the race. We have to get focused in our race so that we're able to obtain the prize he's laid out for us. There is a particular prize that belongs to just you and mine belongs to just me. And I need to run it so that all the distractions of this life and all the things the enemy would try to bring in to keep me from being focused on where I need to be focused on, I, I need to get rid of all that stuff. You know, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says to lay aside the weight that so easily besets us and run the race that's set before us. It's, you know, there are times, like I said before, time for us to take stock of what's in our lives and what needs to be set aside. He was talking about sin here, but I'm not talking about sin necessarily. That's an obvious thing. You've got to set the sin aside. But I'm talking about the things that don't come up as obvious. You know, there's just stop and take a look and say, hmm, what about this? Is this good for me? Or is this not good for me? And then deal accordingly. You know, Isaiah 26 says that he'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know, you, the place of peace comes because you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. That you're right there in the will of God. That's where, real, that's where the real peace is, is knowing that we are right smack dab in the will of God. And the only way that's going to come is we keep our minds stayed on him. If we keep our actions focused on where our mind is saying, okay, this is what the word says, this is what he said, this is what I know to do, this is what I'm going to do. You know, you have to just get stubborn with yourself and go, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be drug into that. You know, I know like anybody else, you know, that you'll make a decision, make a quality decision, and somewhere down the road maybe you just kind of fall off the wagon a little bit. Just pick yourself up, you know, and put yourself right back where you're supposed to be, you know, and just get back on the path, start running again. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, just I, I want to stop early tonight because we're moving these chairs, but, you know, there are, let's put this in perspective. If the enemy can, can distract people one-on-one, he can distract the church. We know what our focus is supposed to be. Our focus when we come in here on any given service is to have ourselves individually and as a group focused on this service and what God intends for this service, what he intends for the Sunday morning service, what he intends for the Sunday night service. 
the reason so many times we don't ever get what we came for, we don't get what God intended for us to have, is because we come in here distracted. Distracted. I came in here, was it, was it on a Sunday night a week ago? And I smelled popcorn. You know, I'm going, what is that? Who's making popcorn? See, the enemy likes to do those little, those little things. Just like that. To get you, your mind off of where it needs to be onto something else. Is there anything wrong with the popcorn? No. But it was a distraction. You know, we need to, we need to be careful in a service that we're not the object of distraction for somebody else and need to get so focused that when somebody else is doing something that is distracting, that we pay it no attention. Because that's the only way we're going to get to where we need to go in any service. It's going to require that. And uh, we don't need to get distracted. We need to, we need to find out what God wants for us every service. We need to stay with it until we've got it, and then we can go. Amen? If that takes five minutes... Or if that takes five hours. Now, I'm not advocating a five-hour service. I've been in a few. But I'm not advocating them necessarily. But if that's what God wants, then that's what we should do. You know, it used to be there was a clock back in the back, and people would turn around and look at the clock about halfway through church in the old building. And so finally, we, we got here. We said, no clock. Mm-mm. The only clock is that one down here, and I'm, about, I'm the only one who can see it. <laughs> but she said, people will do that. They'll look at their watch. These days, we, we, it's gotten more insidious than that. We uh, Facebook on our phones. No amens on that. Huh, okay. Yep, yep, the Internet is on in the building. Uh-huh, yep, oh, yep. Oh, I've got my Bible on my, on my iPhone. My Bible's on my iPad. Yeah, but that's not your Bible you got pulled up at the moment. <laughs> is, is doing Facebook on your phone or your iPad while you're in church, is that going to get the service to where it needs to go? No. Playing games, texting, is that going to get where it needs to go? It's not obvious to anybody else, but you see, God knows what's happening. It doesn't matter whether the pastor knows what's happening. It matters that God knows what ha- what's happening. Okay. So, hello. You know, I would, l- I would love sometimes just to, to just come creep up on somebody from behind and go, hmm, what's that? Like teachers used to do in school when you were writing notes, you know, and stuff. <laughs> they come up behind you and go, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You know, kind of like to have a buzzer in some people's seats every so often, you know, just to, I know what you're doing. (laughs) That's to let you know I know what you're doing. (laughs) But listen, it's a subtle thing sometimes, and sometimes it's not so subtle. But we need to recognize when the enemy's got our focus off of what it needs to be on, that we come back to a place that we go, nope. No, no, and bring ourselves back in line. Nobody can do that for us but us. Nobody can do that for me but me. Nobody can do it for you but you. But it makes a world of difference. 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.